Welcome to the weekly podcast from Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. For more information about Faith Community, please visit our website at www.faithcommunitychurch.net or check us out on Facebook by searching Faith Community Church Janesville. You can also reach us by email at podcast at faithjanesville.org. You can be a part of this ministry and help advance the kingdom by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a five-star review. This helps us spread the word of God in the podcast world, allowing us to better reach more people in the name of Christ. Good morning to all of you. Good morning those of you online, whether it's computer, you're watching this on your cell phone, television, radio, podcast, however you're listening, we welcome you to our services today. We are in the Gospel Project. We are going through the life and ministry of Jesus in chronological order, all the Gospels at the same time. And we have found ourselves in the book of Matthew this morning, in the Sermon on the Mount, continuing on in that sermon as we go through today. I loved, as a boy, listening to Aesop's fables. I don't know about you, but I want to share one with you Today, this little boy was a shepherd, and he was at a mountain base with a dark forest and would sometimes get lonely. And one day he got an idea. He, it was not a good idea, but he went into the village, and he began to cry wolf. And the villagers came out, and he said, there's a wolf, there's a wolf. And they went to go check it out, and there was no wolf. And they were glad the little boy was okay. But the boy enjoyed people paying attention to him. He enjoyed the company and companionship. And so a few days later, he repeated it again. He went to the village and he said, wolf, wolf. And they came with their pitchforks and they came with their guns and their knives. But there was no wolf. And they went back home. A few days later, a wolf really was lurking in the woods. The little boy ran to town. He said, wolf, wolf. Nobody came. Nobody paid attention. When the boy went back to the flock, the wolves had ravaged the sheep. Little boy ran back to town complaining and angry that they didn't listen, they didn't come. And a wise man stepped forward and said, a liar will not be believed even when he speaks the truth. And so we're going to talk today about a warning Jesus gave us about liars. We're going to start off with a warning. I don't know about you. There are certain warnings I hear that I'm kind of tone deaf to. They don't really do anything for me. If I'm in a room and the emergency broadcast system comes on with that awful screeching noise, I don't get alarmed. I don't go, oh, no, it's a disaster, right? Because we've been used to it. Fire alarms, pretty numb to those. You grow up with fire alarms from kindergarten all the way up a couple times a year, every year, It's always just a drill. It's always a drill. It's never real. And we kind of all get a little numb to that. I remember years ago, I was preaching a sermon down here, and the fire alarm went off during the sermon. Were any of you here during that? And I, you know, I'm just standing there, and everybody's looking at me, like, what are we going to do? And I'm just standing there going, you know, which I often do. And Pastor Jesse finally says, it's a fire alarm. Everybody out of the building. And I'm like, yo, yo, fire alarm out of the building. So I go outside the building, and it's just a false alarm, of course. 
But I just noticed that nobody left, right? So this winter, I'm in a hotel, and it's middle of the night, and it's freezing cold, and the fire alarm goes off. And I just want to stay in bed. I know it's a false alarm. I'm sure somebody just pulled it. But little Jess, Pastor Jesse Thompson voice in my head saying, it's a fire alarm. You've got to take it serious. You've got to leave the building. Only about 12 of us suckers went outside. The, the hotel was full. Every stall was full. So there should have been like a couple hundred people. There's like 12 of us out there freezing. I'm like, Pastor Jesse, you know. Right? We don't take it serious. It depends on who's giving the alarm. In the Bible, there was a prevalent amount of false prophets, people who claimed to be spokesmen for God who weren't. And so when the real alarm came, when the real prophets of God came, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, the people didn't listen. They turned a deaf ear to a real alarm from God. And they said, if you don't repent, judgment is coming. And they didn't listen. In fact, they persecuted them, and they did so at their own demise. Judgment came, and they were exiled and taken away. So who gives the alarm is really important. When the alarm comes, we have to use discernment. Is this alarm true? Is there really a danger? Is there really a threat? Or is it false? Now, if the alarm comes from Jesus, we can listen. If the alarm comes from him, we know it's something we need to heed. And to ignore, we do so at our own expense. So we're going to see the warning now in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets or beware of false prophets. Do you think this warning from Jesus is still relevant today? Are there still false prophets in the world? What does the false prophet want to do? The false prophet wants to take you away from God to follow them. The false prophet either is delusional themselves or deceitful, but they're telling you things that are not true. And when you're following things that are not true, it takes you away from God. When you're following truth, it brings you closer to God. There have been false prophets since the very beginning of the church. There are false prophets today. There will be false prophets tomorrow. They will always be here. So Jesus is warning for us to be aware, be on our guard, be on our alert, is as relevant today as when he first spoke it. And he gives us some tools to be able to identify false prophets and flee false prophets and turn a deaf ear to false prophets and tune in and listen to those who really do speak on behalf of God. And that's what the word prophet means. Different from the office of prophecy or the, the gift of prophecy, a prophet is someone who claims to be an oracle or a spokesperson for God who is delivering revelation from God, okay? And so how do we tell if it's from God or not? First thing God's Word does is it gives us some vivid imagery. I'm going to talk about this imagery today. It gives us a word picture as a way to identify them. It says in the second part of verse 15, Jesus says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like sheep. They say God words, right? They look like us. They sound like us. But as Sesame Street says, one of these things just doesn't belong here. Can you guess which one it is, right? Under that sheepskin is a wolf. And the intentions of the wolf 
are not good. They're to do harm. The wolf only is concerned about its survival, right? And so he says, the threat is not so much outside of the church. The, the threat actually comes from within the church. The wolf in sheep's clothing, who says God words, right? They're going through, they're doing seemingly God things. But their heart, in their heart, they're not trying to draw people to God. They're trying to draw people to themselves and away from God. There's two other word, two other passages that we want to look at in regards to warnings about false teachers and prophets. One is found in John's Gospel, the 10th chapter. But before we read the text, understand the context. Jesus has just healed a man who was blind. And the Pharisees are upset because he's done two things that are wrong. He has, number one, made mud on the Sabbath that he used to put on the man's eyes. That's work. And secondly, he healed a man on the Sabbath. That's work. And so they are upset about the healing of this blind man. And that is the context Jesus speaks directly to them in verse 1 of chapter 10. He says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, so that's his audience, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Just like you have a name for your dog, or your cat, or your bird. I have a cat. Her name is Leah. I don't just say, hey, cat, come here. If I go, Leah, come here, Leah will come running, right? She knows her name. The sheep knew their names. Shepherds knew their sheep so well they actually would come to their name. And they recognized the shepherd's voice so well that they wouldn't follow the voice of any other shepherd. They've done experiments with this. They'll put the shepherd's clothing on that has a shepherd scent on somebody and send them one direction, and the true shepherd over here is speaking to the sheep, and guess which one the sheep follow? They'll follow the voice rather than the clothes or the scent. They follow the voice. So when he has brought all out his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So he's going to tell them to them in another way. Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. A shepherd would sometimes have a sheep pen, and he would lay in front of the sheep pen, so he literally became the gate. Sheep couldn't get out without climbing over him, and a wolf couldn't get in without trying to get past him. And he literally became the gate. Jesus says, I am the gate. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have now listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I care about the sheep. I love the sheep. I've always heard this con- the, the teaching on this passage as Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that might be, but that's not what this is teaching. This is about the false teachers, the Pharisees. And so if you're teaching it as a, a text for what the devil does, stop it. That's not the text. It's not the context here. This is not talking about Satan. 
He's talking about the religious leaders who are leading people away from God. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks it, attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Notice the same imagery is used. The imagery of the wolf and the sheep. In the book of Acts, Paul is ready to depart and leave the elders as he has spent three years investing in them in Ephesus. And he gathers them around and he gets ready to depart from them and he gives them this warning about false teachers. And he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And this is a verse that testifies to the deity of Christ. It's the church of God that he bought with his own blood. God bought it with his own blood. So this is a a testament to the deity of the Lord. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the plot. Where are we going to find these wolves? Right, right here. God talk. The skies, they look like us. They try to sound like us, but they're not us. Even from your own number, men will arise, distort the truth. That's one of the things they do is they distort truth. They got enough truth in there to make it sound real, but it's a distortion of the truth. In order to draw away disciples after them. See that? They're not, a true follower of Christ wants to lead others to Christ. A person who is a false prophet or false teacher wants to lead disciples after them. He says, so be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you day and night with tears. Common themes? Every passage is a warning. Every passage is a warning about false teacher, and every passage uses the same imagery, the wolf and the sheep. So what Jesus is saying here is you've got to be able to recognize a wolf from a sheep. There's some tests you can use. Here's the test, right? We're going to talk about the test. Let's go back to our text in Matthew 7. Here's the text. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Remember last week we talked about judge not, and we said it doesn't mean what people who don't know the Bible very well but want to use it to justify anything they do. It doesn't mean that. Because here in the same chapter, Jesus is saying use judgment, use discernment, form an opinion on Somebody says, look at the fruit. In the fall, we all love to go to the apple orchard, right? You pick your apples and you inspect it. Are there worms? Is it good? Is it ripe? Is it ready to pick? Does it look good? When you go to the grocery store, right, you thump your watermelon. I don't know what that does, but you thump your watermelon. You feel the peach. Is it too soft? Is it how you like it? How do you like the plums, right? Is this the way you like it? You touch them, you, you know. And so you are a fruit inspector. Jesus says, do the same thing. Look at their fruit. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown in the fire. Thus, you will recognize them. By their fruits, you will recognize them. And he gives an example. And he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who says religious things, right? But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? And that will tell you plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. They're, they didn't have the right fruit. It says in the book of Hebrews, this test is twofold. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you? Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So what do they say and what do they do? How do they live, right? It's, it's fair game, right? What does their wife say about them? What does their husband say about them? What do their kids say about them? What do their kids think about it? What, what is the fruit of their ministry? Is it bringing unity or is it bringing division, Right? Is it drawing people to the kingdom of God or drawing people to themselves? What are they saying? This, what are they saying test falls under the camp of orthodoxy? Orthodoxy, right belief, right doctrine. Orthodoxy is really important. When I say right belief, I don't mean secondary doctrine because we'll never agree on that, right? Primary doctrine is what we say is salvific. It's, it's, per, it's, it's relevant to salvation, on secondary doctrine, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, the second coming, or things like that, you know, I know on, on our staff, we don't have agreement on that. We never will, right? I've changed my mind on secondary doctrine through the years. I got 40 years of ministry in May. I've been all over the place in eschatology and other, other kinds of things. But my Christology, who Jesus is and what he has done, has never changed. Who God is and his attributes have never changed. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I write these things of first importance. Jesus died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that he was buried, that he rose again, and that he appeared, right? Acts chapter 2, the kerygma, the proclamation, and Peter talks about Jesus and, and the repentance of sin, and he talks about how he fulfilled the law and the prophets. And all the things that Peter says are part of orthodoxy, in Acts chapter 2, the divine nature of Jesus, what he accomplished for us, untouchable. We have to preserve that, the attributes of God, that he's eternal, that he's omniscient, that he's all-knowing, that he's all-powerful, that he is immutable, that he never changes, that he is, he is love, and that he is spirit. All those things, we don't touch, anybody who gives you a doctrine where God becomes changeable, right? Capricious. Or, or that the Bible's not the Word of God. Or we're not saved by grace through faith. Turn and run, right? That, that's not something you need to be listening to or learning from. I, sometimes I have to read materials that aren't necessarily materials I would read, but they've been called into question. Say, hey, we'll check this book out or listen to this, and I'll have to, I'll have to listen to it. I'll have to read it. Right, because I want to know, hey, what what are they saying? What are they doing? But you know, you've got to test it. I want you to be able to test so that you don't have to consult any person or any source to know if something is truth or false. That's my goal, right? That all of us can grow up to the point where we don't need to go to any online thing and find out is this gospel, is this truth? Because you'll know it. You'll know it, right? You, you need to be like a banker who's, who's handled the real thing so often that when they come across counterfeit, 
They just know it. They can just reject it. That's, that's, I'm not saying it's wrong to come to a pastor. It's wrong to go to a resource. I'm not saying sometimes we need that. But I'm saying we want to grow up to the point where we don't need that. Where we can be mature in our faith that we can recognize truth from error. Just when we hear it. Just alarm goes off. And I'm not talking about minutia here. Okay? I'm not talking about secondary doctrine. I'm not talking about minutia, the gotcha moments. Say for 40 years I've been doing this, and there are people who have those gotcha moments. I call them the amiletical bibisectionists. They're looking for any little thing, you know? And I'll usually, I won't hear it directly from them, because if I do hear it directly, it takes like a minute or two conversation, and we clarify things. No, that's not what I meant. That's not what I said. You know, you didn't listen, or I didn't, I didn't say that, or that's taken out of context, and we can clarify it. But usually it's like, you know, somebody said... Somebody said, you said, you know, I get it like through the grapevine kind of thing. Or you're like a nasty email or a nasty note. And they're looking for gotcha moments, right? One guy, I was talking to him, and he was picking on stuff. Just picking the sermon apart for any little thing you could find. And finally, just an exasperation, I said, you know, I said, apparently, listening to you, I've never said any good thing ever. So do you come just to find fault? With, with me in the church. Is that why you come to church? And he put his head down and goes, yes, pastor. So I appreciate your honesty, man. There's a better reason to come to church than to look for fault, right? I guarantee you, if, you're, if we're going to look through that lens and you get up here and preach a sermon, I can find things, right? But that's, it, what we're talking about is not looking for gotcha moments. Oh, that, that's not quite, you know. We're preaching orthodoxy here. What we're talking about is when we depart from orthodoxy. We have different opinions on on certain scripture. We disagree sometimes on secondary doctrine. But on the core, where we have agreement, that's what we're called to defend. That's what makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is the gospel once and for all delivered in the saints that we are to contend for. That's orthodoxy. That's orthodoxy. Secondly, it had to do with their life, right? Examine their life. Look at their fruits. Think of the wolves. I want to I tell you about, uh, we have staff potlucks from time to time. I'm welcoming a new staff member or whatever we're going to do. And we'll have a little pot, we're going through goals and potlucks. One particular time, it was just not good. We had Pastor Gary and Pastor Phil. We got a reenactment here for you, cartoon form. They were playing what's called the, I'll let you decide who's Gary and who's Phil, but somebody took somebody's pie. And they call this the zero-sum game. In the zero-sum game, one wins and one loses, and the loss is equal to the gain. Okay? In the zero-sum game, the loss is equal to the gain. So for the wolf and the sheep, when they play the zero-sum game, the wolf has lunch and the sheep dies. Right? That's what it is. Zero-sum game, I win and you lose. I get everything, you get nothing. That's how the wolf plays. For the wolf, the sheep are there to be consumed. They are, the sheep are there for their survival and the maintenance of their territory and their, and their life. And this is why the Pharisees, Jesus is calling them out for what they are. Jesus is saying to them, but they're too dumb to realize it. He's saying, look, if you truly cared about the man I just healed who was blind, 
you would be rejoicing for him. You would say, isn't it wonderful that God did a miracle for this man? He can now see his family. He can see his own face for the first time. He can see a sunset. He can look at the skies. He can see the creation. You would be happy for him. Instead, you're angry. And why are you angry? You're angry because you've lost influence. You're angry because you've lost sheep. And you need sheep for power. You need sheep for influence. You need sheep to consume. And now they're going to come after me. They're going to follow me because I am the true shepherd and they know my voice. And so your reaction to his miracle identifies that you're not shepherds, you're wolves. You care only for yourself, you see. And so Jesus says, look at their life. Are they drawing people to Jesus or are they drawing people to themselves? Are they trying to build the kingdom of God or are they trying to build their own kingdom? Right? Are they trying to build their influence? Are they using people, abusing people, consuming people to get what they want? Are there false prophets in the world? Are there, people, are there prophets who consume people to, to sell their books or to get money from them right? so they can build their mansions by the ocean and their jet planes and their, you know, whatever it is, right? False prophets who want to control people because they have an agenda. Jesus says, be aware of that. Look at that. Examine. Look at their life. Look at their words. Look at their life. And Jesus says, if their words align with truth, if they're testifying the same thing about me that I've said, and their life aligns, they're bringing people to me and not themselves, They're, they're ministering, they're showing compassion and love, not using and abusing and consuming, Jesus says, they're on my team. You can listen to them. He says, but just know that there are false prophets in the world. And they're clamoring for you, and they're clamoring for your kids and for your grandkids. And they might get to them on the computer, they might get to them in a podcast, they might get to them in a book, they might get to them on the television or some other place. They're still in the world today. And the warning still stands. And if you are a new believer in Christ, I would encourage you, grow up fast. Grow up fast. Learn who you are in Christ. Learn who Jesus is. Learn that God is immutable and he doesn't change and his word is eternal and it doesn't change. And he is the source of your salvation. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we thank you for the warning that our Savior gave us to beware, to be on guard against false prophets because they are in the world today. We are not the object of their affection. We are objects for them to consume. We are means for them to have power and wealth and control and to build their kingdom. And Lord, they come to us in the guise of shepherds. They come saying God words and looking like sheep. And that's what makes us so vulnerable. That's what makes us so dangerous. And so you've called us to use discernment. You've called us to, to, to know the truth, to know your voice so well 
that when the voice of the thief comes, when the voice of the robber comes, when the wolf comes, we recognize. Lord, help us to heed this alarm and not ignore it, knowing that it's relevant, it's true. There's a danger present in the world today. There's a danger present in the church today. And there always will be. And so your church needs to be aware and alert and on guard. Protect us, Lord, from false teachers. Protect our children and our grandchildren from those who would lead them astray. And Lord, those who are listening to me today, however they're listening to me today, if they're under the ministry, a ministry that would be described as that of a wolf that they would leave. Lord, those who are using and consuming, they will recognize the danger they're in and that they would leave. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Faith Community Church Podcast. We are glad that you joined us and hope that you were blessed by the message. If you would like to join us in the ministry of sharing the Word of God, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. This helps us build the analytics of the channel, allowing us to better reach people in the name of Christ. Go be the light in your family, your community, and your church. God bless you.